Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Sanctum podcast. We're here to unwrap round 15 of AFL Supercoach. Um, and the, the rounds are really flying by pretty quickly. It's, it's coming towards the pointy end of the season. So plenty uh, plenty of teams nearing completion. And we're here to chat Supercoach today. Um, I'm joined once again by Jasper and Matt. And boys, how do we score this weekend? Yeah, oh, not too bad. I think you guys finished on the same score, actually, didn't you? In the 23 We did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I finished 23-16. You guys are up there 23-90-something. Um, yeah, I had, I had Shea Bolton and Tom Stewart. Both primos, both in the, the 50s, their scores. So that kind of killed me this week, unfortunately. Um, but other than that, I, my team kind of scored pretty well. So I wasn't too upset with it. I was going to roll the dice on Zach Merritt captain, um, but I went with the Took Miller VC, 123. He scored my line was probably 120. Um, so now I wish that he did score about 119 because I would have gone with Zach Merritt, who scored that nearly 150 um, against the Demons. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a shame. But other than that, not... Too bad the round for me. Only a big scores around this weekend. Yeah, Matt and I both finish on two, three, nine, six. I think it was. Um, that's my highest score probably ever in Supercoach. So I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad score. Um, I had some players that disappointed. Obviously, with Paddy Cripps on negative two, closing on half times was a highlight for me. Um, and I love owning the man who's you know apparently worth 60 million dollars according to Tom Brown but more realistically 5 million dollars um, so that was awesome to to really just really rub in and ruin my weekends because I was on track for about 2500 before that so there are a couple of other scores which looked promising and then you know didn't pan out the way I expected to Jake Lloyd was 73 was a bit of a letdown but um, still moved up in the ranks I thought my score would bring me crack the top 10K, but um, still hovering just outside. It only went up 250 spots. So mm. must have been a very par score from where I am. Um, but yeah, next week, and, and we're into the run home, gentlemen. We finally you know, passed the buys, passed that first week, and now it's just about perfecting your side as best as you can. Yeah, it sure is. I was certainly in the run home and nothing better for the run home than for a bit of fixture chaos. And um, Jasper, I know you... We're in attendance at that, um, that press conference this afternoon. It's Tuesday night as we're recording. Um, and what what's the what's the down low, the lowdown from um, from that presser with Travis Old? Yeah, Travis Old seemed very assured of himself. I'm not too sure that's what he's feeling on the inside. There's a bit of chaos going on right now. There's two one. There's two fix, uh, two fixturing games up in the air right now for round sixteen. Um, obviously, we've got the WA teams and the Queensland teams. They'll be in Victoria by tonight. Um, they'll be isolating, uh, receiving their COVID tests. Um, hopefully, they're all negative, and then they'll be able to train and whatnot in Victoria. Uh, so right now, Fremantle and Carlton, that that venue is up in the air right now. Uh, it's either going to be in Launceston on the Saturday afternoon or it's going to be GMHBA on Saturday night. Um, so it kind of affects Supercoach in, in the... A lot of teams don't play GMHBA well at all and defenders usually suffer because they just kick the ball out of the full for some reason out there, probably because it's um, about the length, the, the width of a basketball court, that oval. Uh, so obviously Launceston's got those deep pockets, a uh, bit of a pig park out there. Uh, so that does change up that game for Frio, Frio and Carlton if you have any of those players. So keep that in mind. And then uh, Gold Coast Richmond, I believe that one's going to be at Marble Stadium, um, not on the Gold Coast like it was originally scheduled. So uh, those are the two changes for the fixture. But other than that, I think they've done pretty well so far. 
Um, they seem pretty assured of themselves. Like I said, um, Travis Ward was was happy with with the outcome. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not too much of a change right now for round sixteen, which is good news. I like that term you've just you just put forward. That pig park might have to try and get that one into the into the super coach lingo for for big scoring venues. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, well, Launceston's a big big old oval. Move on straight into some some trade targets this week, um, and. Yeah, coming coming right into the pointy end of the season, um, few few spots to finish in in a few teams, I guess. Um, Matt, who's your who's your top your top trade targets for for each each line? Uh, well, I'll start with the midfield, um, just because he's high. I think on my priority lists personally, but I also think that he should be on um, anyone who doesn't own him's high. Priority lists, if that makes sense. I feel like I butchered that sentence, but we'll move on. Um, Sam Walsh obviously had a very good season so far. He's sitting 11th overall in terms of total score for the year. That's the number that I'm really looking at, averaging 112.6 on the season um, and coming off that 131 on the weekend. So it's not like Carlton have a great run home. Um, they're, they're not winning many games, but he's still performing pretty well despite, um, you know, copping some attention. He didn't do too well a couple of weeks ago when he got a heavy tag, but um, they didn't, for some reason, Adelaide didn't send anyone to him after seeing how successful it was the week prior. Um, The reason I'm targeting him is that he's, you know, subbed 550K and, you know, for someone who's averaging 112 on the season, that's a really good price point. Um, If you don't have him... I'd be looking at him over anyone, you know, in that top 10 um, in terms of averages or aggregate. Um, like Zach Merritt is averaging the same, has exactly the same number of total points um, and he's 50K cheap, uh, 50K more expensive, sorry. And then obviously you, you go up the list and everyone's 600 plus K and um, you know my rule about 600K plays. I don't like spending money on them unless it's my final upgrade and I don't need to worry about, yeah. you know, generating extra cash for anyone else. So, um that's why Walsh is my number one target this week, just because he's he's absolute value for what he's providing to your team. Now, Matt, are you worried because he did get that DeBoer tag and it was very very effective? Are you worried in the, in his next two fixtures he's got Freo and Geelong? Now Caleb Sarong has done a few tagging jobs. He did Zach Merritt about a, a month, a month and a half ago, and and Mark O'Connor um, has notoriously got a couple blokes um over over the last few weeks and and over the season are you worried about the next two weeks in terms of Walsh copying attack uh no I'm not I I don't think Caleb uh, Mark O'Connor is a very good tagger and he's proven himself this year I don't think Caleb Sarong is is quite in that echelon if he does um give any attention and there's a good chance it'll probably play a run with role with him um, because I can't see him going up against a, a Crips or a Cano or anyone like that. So I, I imagine that he'll probably against Walsh, just being a lighter-framed, a little bit more nimble sort of footballer. So I'm not concerned too much about um, Caleb's wrong. I think uh, I think Walsh would beat him there. Um, Mark O'Connor is a little bit more worrying, but in that sense of the word, um, I, I wouldn't stress too much on the fact that he's going to get tagged. Good players get tagged. It happens every week whether it's a hard tag or a run with roll, you want to try and curb the influence of um, specific players and good players on the opposition team. So he's been able to find a way past that all year. Um, he hasn't copped massive amounts of attention um, every week, but he does cop some attention. So 
Um, I'm not too worried about that, especially at the value that he's providing. I'd I'd cop a you know a 70 score like he did against GWS for you know four tons in his last six matches. So um, I'm all about yeah trying to get fill out my team with with value and and Walsh provides that at the moment. Yeah, I like his run home past Fremantle and Geelong. He's got Collingwood, North Melbourne, St Kilda, and then Gold Coast, which I think he'd probably average about 130 over those four games. Um, I think he'll go big to end the season, try and sew up that first All Australian blazer. Um, because Carlton's not playing for too much more, are they, Will? <laughs> no, I was going to say, listening to those games, we should probably win those. But then again, yeah, I don't know. Um, talk to me later about Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, for me, in the midfield, my number one trade target would be uh, Lockie Neal, if I didn't bring him in already last week. He's an absolute soldier for for continuing with that shoulder. I thought he'd like popped it out and he'd be out for a few weeks and out of the game on like 20-odd points in the first quarter. But um, he continued on. He scored 98, which is all right, considering they played Geelong. Um, so I was happy. And he's a, he's a guy that you're going to need to have, I reckon, to end the season. He's, he's got Adelaide, St Kilda, Richmond, Hawthorne, Gold Coast, Fremantle, Collingwood and West Coast. He's got two top eight sides to end the season. I think he's going to go absolutely huge. And, and in my opinion, you know, he, he can go 120 plus from here on out. Right now, he's already shown his ceiling at 157 against the Dons, 156 a couple of weeks ago against North. And he's got some really nice matchups coming in, as does Walsh. Um, but at around the same price, I think he's about 10K more expensive. So around the same price below that 600K rule, Matt, I think Lockie Neal should be your number one trade target in the midfield and probably overall this week. Are you not worried at all about the fact that he played, I think it was six or seven weeks with a broken back? Uh, Lockie Neal. Yeah. Yeah, why is, that, why is that an issue now? Not because he's, the back's an issue, because um, of his shoulder. He clearly heard it. It was hurting throughout that game. He had a number of times he had to go to the sidelines, get it assessed, get it you know, re-strapped. And he did battle out the rest of the game quite admirably. But his ability to play, play through pain right. was very obvious earlier in the season when he was unable to crack the ton for you know six weeks in a row when he had that broken back. And he still played. He still played plenty of games. So my question really surrounds his injury and the concerns that go with it. Because if he is playing hurt, he might be playing, he might play the rest of the season and play finals and be okay. But he's he was playing hindered. You could tell that every time he got pushed to the ground, every time he landed awkwardly on that shoulder, he'd grimace and he'd hold it which is not really filling me with confidence as a potential owner who's going to fork out 560k for him. Yeah. Well, I I think he played really well in the second half. I thought he um, he probably went big in the second half and was really quiet in the first because he was off off for a pretty long period of time. He only played about 75% of the game time and and he went he went pretty big 98. I, I was happy with that um, considering he scored about 60 of those points in the second half. I think that kind of showed that it was more of a stinger than an actual injury to his shoulder. I don't think there's any structural damage there. Um, maybe it popped in and back out. It, it's hard to tell on the replay, but I don't think there's much of an issue there with, with Lockie Neal in his shoulder. I think he's going to be fine for the rest of the rest of the season. He did. I'd um, love to just. He was laboring a little bit, um, holding it in the second quarter, but in the, in the second half, I thought it was pretty good. He was, he was taking marks above his head. He was, Standing on the mark with both hands above his head um, in the second half, at least. Uh, so I think I think he's going to be all right. I'd love to go back and just listen to our 
you know, around three or around four podcasts when we discussed Lockie Neal in depth as a, as a potential trade-out option and said, oh, no, there's no structural damage. He's playing through. He's, he's just a little bit hurt. And then, bang, broken back. Out yeah, six well, weeks. You, you were the only one of us who had Lockie Neal and you held, so I don't know. I know, I know, because I was fooled by these stupid idiots in the media like ourselves who just convince <laughs> everyone that he's fine and he should be in a wheelchair. So... <laughs> I guess we'll see how this one plays out. I think if he wasn't under an injury cloud, I'd be jumping on him over Walsh just because he is that proven performer and he seemed to be over his back problems. Um, but now with his shoulder resurfacing, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned. And it's just a little red flag, whereas Walsh, I don't see a red flag on him. So that's why I'm valuing Walsh yeah. over, over Neil. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I, just like, I like the ceiling of Neil, as I said, two 150 scores already this season. Um, and and both these guys have a, have flags because you know they're not priced at the same level as the the guys that we expect them to be to be scoring or averaging the same as for the rest of the season. That's that's why they're below 600k. Um, so so there are problems with picking both of them up. Walsh Walsh is susceptible to a tag. We know that now. But um, you're confident he's, he's going to be fine, and I'm confident Lockie Neal's shoulder is going to be okay. So you know those are our mid mid picks. I guess speaking of injuries as well, one guy who's had a bit of a layoff this year is Patrick Dangerfield. And he's, he, if he wasn't last week, um, he definitely will be this week. I think he's just under 500K and um, and looking to probably come into plenty of teams this week. Um, and would he be your number one um, forward trade target for the rest of the season, Jasper? Yeah, well, he's in 10% of teams now and he still hasn't cracked the ton this year. Yeah. Oh. I, I, his last two scores are good, 95-97. Um, for his price, you know, he, he's cheap as chips right now. He's under 500k, 490, 495k right now. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna pick him up at some stage this season. He's he's set to increase in price. Um, for me, I'm probably gonna hold for one more week and just see if he can crack the ton or, or if he's kind of stagnating at these at these scores because he was on about 65 at halftime against Brisbane and then just kind of fell off a cliff. Uh, so. I'm going to hold, but he's definitely a trade-in target over the next two or three weeks, 100%. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I'm i not bringing him in this week just because I am bringing in Walsh, and I, I decided on that a while ago. And my forward line's actually complete um, at this stage. But if he's coming out and he's scoring 110s, he'll, he'll probably slot into my midfield as that M8, um, as a, you know, once again, cheaper option. Um, but yeah, it, it comes down to how he continues to score consistently. I don't think he's played that well over the past two weeks and he's still scored in the 90s both times. So that fills me with a little bit of confidence. He's a little bit like um, Bontempelli in, in the eyes of champion data where they just seem to love him and, and give him points for doing nothing. So there's positives in that, that he just scores willingly um, and whenever he decides he wants to pull his finger out. But um, in saying that, Brisbane um, also stamped their authority on that game last week, and, and Geelong also fell off the cliff alongside Dangerfield, so I wouldn't be as concerned about that. Yeah. Um, you're going to see him playing in the, uh, in the forward line, I imagine, for longer stints, just as he ages, and, and obviously he's still coming back to full fitness, so um, he's not going to be playing through the midfield as much, but in saying that, he's so damaging when he is forward, and as long as he converts his set shots and his chances at goal, he's still going to score really well. Um, from here on out, as long as he doesn't cop an injury, he's probably a top two, top three forward, along with, you know, Dane Zorko, Zeeble, and, um, you know, Dusty, if he decides to pull his finger out towards September, he's always a, another one for that title. But he's a really good option at sub-500K. Yeah, Zorko's the absolute must-cop 
in the forward line right now is Spenny, but you know what you're getting from him right now. He's, he's killing it. Um, he came off that suspension and, and went big. So uh, he's he's absolutely the number one trade target in the forward line if you don't have him. But then I think it's Dangerfield. Uh, but then in the back line, I'm going to flag a teammate of Zorko and and Neil, who who I liked last week. And in our rolling 22, I put him in as my sixth defender because I thought he could go big from here on out. He had a he had a pretty big um, a, a good schedule in front of him, and he and he scored duly with against Geelong, 127 points. Daniel Rich. Uh, like I said with Neil, they have a really good schedule upcoming Brisbane and they should cement themselves in the top four. He's playing for a little bit as well. He he would like a best and fairest, I reckon. Uh, he's in the hunt for an All-Australian blazer. So I reckon he could go big. He, he loves kicking a goal. He's, he's one of the best kicks in the competition. They get it in his hands at every opportunity. He's taking the kick-ins. There's not a lot to not like about, um, not a lot to hate about Daniel Rich right now. And, and I think that he's a really good option to bring in right now. At 520k, I think he's still underpriced a little bit, um, and and he'll finish as a top six defender in my opinion. Are you a Brisbane fan now, Just? Well, they just got a good. What's skin. going on? What's going <laughs> on? He's just Brisbane, Brisbane, Brisbane all the way through. You're about to say Oscar McInerney for the ruck spot. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> I do like I do like Daniel Rich. You know, I like Daniel Rich, um, and I wish I started the year with him because he was in my side for a while, and then I. I pulled him last minute for um, for my man, who I'm about to name, Jordan Ridley. I think you gave him a bit of a rocket last week, Jasper, as, as the Essendon fan of the group. Um, said that his role had changed and he wasn't as desirable. But we saw him playing that intercept role. We saw him taking a few kickouts. And whilst he was sharing the kickouts with um, Dyson Heppel and, and Laverde for some reason as well, I don't know why he's getting kickouts, um, Ridley still scored 111, which was really nice to see. And he just, you know, he floats around, takes marks for fun, and and I love that. So he's, I, I mean, at 470k, he's once again pretty cheap. There are a lot of good defenders this year, and it makes it hard to dif- differentiate between them because they're all similarly priced and scoring pretty similarly. But um, you know, we saw at the start of the year what um, Jordan Ridley is able to do when he has that role, and I think he's slowly earning it back. I think after that concussion, he went more into a sort of one-on-one defender that could peel off. Um, like we saw a little bit against Toby Green when he played GWS, he was tightly guarding him. Um, but you see every week there's going to be a, a, an intercept defender um, who ends up playing a, as a one-on-one at some stage. Like we saw Tom Stewart who played um, exclusively as a one-on-one and scored poorly because of it. So, um, it's a risk you sort of have to take. And as long as that role's there, I guess that's um, all you can really look for and hope for. So that's why Ridley, I think, is the buy for the defensive line. Yeah, Ridley's like a top two scorer if he does have that role the entire season. I'm not too sure it will because he he comes up against a couple difficult opposition. I mean, he's got Geelong this week, which I mean, I can't see him scoring too well down at GMHBA. Uh, and and we'll, we'll see. Maybe he does um, because he has been in fine form over the last few weeks, not necessarily in super coach form, but just in form in general. Like he's taking good marks um, and he's playing a really good lockdown role for the team. So, you know, when he when he does get that inset marking role back, um, he's going to go big. So make sure you're on when when he when he does get that and, and you're fortunate that you've got him right now because I think he is a good option right now. Um, Matty? Move on. Uh, we'll do something a little bit different this week. Obviously, um as, as we've said, teams starting to fill out, but um, there is obviously still the need to play play some rookies um, on field. Um, so 
we're just going to run through quickly sort of the the rookies to maybe who are the best rookies from each each line to play to play on field um if you if you need to if you've still got a, a rookie on field there so um matt i'll throw to you first with the the defenders obviously tom highmore um as the sort of the I think he's the most owned rookie defender um, in Supercoach, um, and then a couple, a couple of others um, in Trent Bianco and James Madden. Who's the sort of the, your best scoring option there um, week to week? Well, if you're picking it based on recent form, you can't go past Tom Highmore. It's a little absurd that he went from you know playing decent footy at the start of the year, then missing like eight weeks in a row, nine weeks in a row, coming back playing poorly, getting dropped, coming back playing poorly, getting dropped coming back and it's like someone lit a firecracker under his ass and he's suddenly, you know, dobbing tons and 90s just out of nowhere. So it's good to see him, you know, playing a, a sort of similar role to what we wanted Jordan Ridley to play, a bit of lockdown, a bit of intercept. Um, it helps when teams just bomb it 50 metres in the air and he just sits under it. Um, but that's good for Supercoach, man. Um, Trent Bianco, you know, averaging 59 on the year, scored 55 on the weekend. Um I'd probably say he's not going to go as I think he's probably going to be a little bit more consistent, sit around that 50 to 70 sort of range. Whereas I think Highmore's a bit more of a risk. There's going to be one week where he scores a 90 and then the next week he plays purely as a lockdown whilst Callum Wilkie or, or someone else plays that intercept role and he's suddenly scoring a 35. So, um, but at this stage, at this point of the season, it looks like Highmore's playing that intercept role pretty nicely. And, um, you know, it's converting into good scores. So let's hope that continues. Jasper, I'll throw to you, um, even though you're not the Hawks fan in the room. Sorry, Matt. Um, a couple of Hawks rookies who have um, come onto the scene um, in recent weeks. Um, it's Jai Newcomb um, and Lockie Bramble. Uh, I know they'll both be in quite a few teams and they're both base price rookies, I think. But who who of the, the two is your pick for the better scoring option? Yeah, uh, it's it's tough because they both kind of suck, um, and that's just you know that's just talking about the Hawks in general. Uh, Fair comment. <laughs> but, but I'd, I'd go Jai because he's shown a bit of a ceiling, and and Bramble's playing on the wing, and um, he might be out of the side at some point soon. Uh, but you know, it's, he showed that tackling appetite, obviously against Sydney, breaking the record. Um, but he only scored seventy five points from him because he's not a great kick. Um, he kicked a goal on the weekend and still only scored 53 points because he couldn't touch the footy in the first half. Uh, there are issues with both of them. But I think Jai Newcomb has a higher ceiling and and I think he can perform better than what he has in the last couple of weeks. Um, he's been a bit quiet. Um, and the Hawks are, are on a bit of a roll. They, they beat GWS on the weekend. They they got close to the Mighty Dons. Um, so, you know, they're, they're a, a team that you don't mind having a couple of stocks in. Like I have CJ right now. I'd had to impy till he got injured. Um, so I, I, I'll go Newcomb. I think, I think Newcomb's probably the best option, but I will say there are better options in the forward line and in the back line. Um, if you need to play a rookie on field still. And, and those forwards, there's a few sort of, um, a few guys who are now sort of more mid price. I think all around that 300 K range, um, and Matt, sort of, um, Callum Coleman Jones, Cody Waitman, um, Caleb Poulter. Who are who of those three is your best scoring option? Oh, it's got to be Coleman Jones. Um, you know, has shown his ability to score those those sort of eighty to ninety scores consistently. Obviously, with those first 
three games going, uh, what do you score, 112-86-81. Obviously had a 67 against St Kilda, which wasn't glorious, but it's still, for a rookie, not a bad score. Um, what will be interesting is that Tom Lynch is due to return, I think, this week from what I understand um, reading Twitter about Damien Hardwick's comments. So um, I haven't done a whole lot of research into that, but he did say that he'd like to see Lynch in the same forward line as Coleman Jones and maybe or Chole. So there's clearly room for at least one of them. Coleman Jones is playing the better footy than, than Chole is at the moment. So he'll probably stay um, if they were to revert back down to two. I don't see how they go four key forwards, but that's fine. I'm not the coach. Um, and I, I imagine that Coleman Jones will probably have a little bit of less pressure applied to him just purely based on the fact that Lynch is going to demand, you know, the number one key forward, Rewalt will, oh, sorry, key defender, Rewalt will take the second and then the scraps will be left for, for Coleman Jones and, and Chole and, and whoever's, you know, floating forward um, from the ruck if they ever get a ruckman back. So, in, in, I guess, taking a very long way to answer this question, Coleman Jones by Country Mile. Uh, you missed out on Devin Robertson, who has been playing good footy recently. He scored an 83 on the weekend. I'd probably rank him second over Cody Waitman, um, just because Cody Waitman's a small forward who can sometimes kick bags of five and sometimes not get a touch, whereas Devin Robertson's playing through that midfield despite Neil and Lyons killing it. So that's my little rundown for you. Yeah, I think Coleman Jones is the option for me. Uh, he's shown his ceiling, which is good. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's averaging 86 right now, which is pretty amazing. And he's got 67 points as a key forward in a game where his side kicked two goals and lost by like 60 points. I mean, that, that's pretty awesome, actually. I, I don't think too many key forwards would actually be scoring that well in a, in a situation that they found themselves in the Tigers on Friday night. Uh, so the big one here is Nankervis is pretty close. And Lynch is probably back this week. So if both of them come back in, I'm not sure if he's going to hold his spot because I think they probably do prefer Marbio Chol over him because they don't really play Callum Coleman-Jones in the ruck and they need a second ruckman again um, with Nack. So I think if one of them comes back... You're forgetting back, the goat's going to get dropped. Yeah, well... Look, Samson Ryan, baby. Yeah. Keep him in. He's a 200-game player. Samson Ryan got dropped on Friday night. I don't think he, <laughs> I don't think he came on in the fourth quarter. Um, so I don't, I can't see them playing Calum Coleman Jones and Marbio in the same side when both of them are back. I don't think they'll both be back this week. So that's something to flag. And right now it's easily Calum Coleman Jones who you should be having on your field. He's scoring better than a rookie. Um, he's probably the best rookie available who is scoring. Um, and he's, he's a bit of fun to watch as well. He's a, he clunks marks. He's good fun. If he does hold that, um, that spot in Richmond's side, is he a potential F5 or F6 come the end of the year? I mean, he scored better than Shea Bolton, so why not? Uh, he, he, he's scoring well. We just have to see how his, if he does get dropped or not. Um, but right now, he's a very safe guy to field. And if you do have a Finley McRae or you're bringing someone in who you can loop, then he's a really good option to do so with a Devin Robertson or, or the like in the forward line. Yeah, definitely an F7, R3 sort of option. Um, there have been some teams that have flirted with having him in F6. And um, whilst I don't agree with them, I see their logic in upgrading around him and, and trying to build your team because he is scoring pretty well for a key forward rookie. Um, as Jasper mentioned, a 67 in a 50-point loss where they kick two goals is a is a fair effort. So 
it just shows that he can score points when he's on the field, but it comes down to, yeah, as, as you said, if he plays and, um, you know, what's going on with the, the team structure. With that said, we'll roll straight into our favorite segment. It's time for Oh Captain, My Captain. Um, and pending no fixture changes, we've got um, Gold Coast versus Richmond on Friday night. Um, and Thursday night. Thursday night, beg my pardon. And uh, Geelong versus Essendon on Friday. Um, any vice captaincy options tickle your fancy from there, Matt? Oh, why'd you go to me first? Um, <laughs> Bit of a rogue one, actually, just because I'm looking at my team and I have him. Tom Hawkins, Ooh. Friday night, GMHBA Stadium, scored 173 against Essendon the last time they played him in 2020. Um, that was on the Gabba, so it's a little bit different in terms of, I guess, the overall structure of the ground. Um, but he's coming off a pretty poor couple of scores. I think he scored 58 two weeks ago and 60 this week. So um, hopefully he can bounce back. I won't be putting a VC on him just because um, I don't trust my own judgment. But just looking at that, it looked pretty attractive. Um, so yeah, that's, that Brandon could be a good option. Thatcher, if Brandon Sir Thatcher plays on Friday night, he will score 200 plus. Who, who, who's the key defender that would go to Hawkins though? Would it be Zerk Thatcher? It would probably be James Stewart. But it depends on the Cats lineup as well. I'm not too sure if they're going to persevere with... Um, Radiglia and with Blitzard's rucking mainly, so Radiglia might go out of that side. If he doesn't, then I mean it, it's it's tough because Zerk Thatcher will go to one of them, um, and it remains to be seen who. But I'll, I'll probably say that Laverde goes to Jeremy Cameron, uh, James Stewart goes to Tom Hawkins, and then Zerk Thatcher takes a Gary Rowan or a, a Sava Radiglia, depending on who's up there. Jeez, Essendon's backline sucks. I know. Just thinking of those names. I'm just like, how did we not beat you Gibbers last or two weeks ago, honestly? <laughs> anyway, we suck. Let's move on. Who's your VC, Will, for that for those two nights for the loophole? Or are you going well, to a Saturday game? I've run with him um, the past couple of weeks. So I had him had him vice captain this week and ready to loophole um, before taking Max Gorn. But Tuke Miller um, has been really good um i've really enjoyed having him in my, in my team uh for i think four or five weeks now um but i think i'll i'll give him the the vice captain armband on on thursday night against the tigers um it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see how it goes but he's just um been super consistent in pumping out pumping out big scores there so i think i'll I think i'll back him in again um and if not maybe a zach Merritt um against geelong as well um scored pretty well last week and um seems to get the job done um, as well, so a couple of options there, I reckon. What about what about captaincy options later in the round? We got a big, big looking matchup on Sunday, four forty time slot. Um, Dogs versus North. Obviously, that didn't end too well for North Melbourne um, earlier in the year. Yeah, I can I can see Jack McRae going two hundred plus here, and I can see Bond going three hundred plus. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's a great option for your captaincy, and and for me, that probably increases the your VC um, line from about a 125 to like a 130, 135, to be honest. I think McRae and Bont, if you have either of those guys, cover that pretty easily. Um, so so I'm pretty happy with that. And also, I will flag that uh, West Coast defenders scored pretty well against the Dogs last week in a, in a smashing, which bodes well for Zeebel and Aaron Hall. They don't tag the doggy forwards. Um, and, and they play, they kind of zone up a little bit. They, they play down the field. They make you turn the ball over in the middle of the field. 
um, and counterattack, and that's how they score their goals. So I think that they'll give a lot of the ball to North um, defenders as they did earlier in the season. Uh, so I expect I expect the North defenders to go big, which is kind of a weird call for me. But uh, that's how I that's how I see it playing out. Well, there'll be plenty of ball in their forward line um, if last. <laughs> time the the team's met is any indication obviously josh bruce kicking those 10 goals but yeah that could be could be dirty for uh for the the kangas on sunday arvo and that is uh all we've got time for today but thank you for joining us um once again this week on the Supercoach sanctum podcast you can find us on twitter at sc sanctum and tune in on the inner sanctum.com.au during the week for plenty more Supercoach content thanks for listening and we'll see you next week